Hi there, this episode is an audio rip of a YouTube video. If there are any references to the screen or to the video itself, then be sure to go over to YouTube and actually check out the video, which will be the same title as this podcast. Thanks. RCDs. Right, um going to do a video now on types of RCD, okay, because there's been a uh, rewrite of the regulations and it seems to be a hot debate going on at the moment. So this video is going to be talking about the, the different types of RCD, uh, the regulation that's been introduced, and it's also going to kind of answer this question that I've written there, really. Why are ACRCDs still in the regulations? That's that's really what I want to talk about really here. So let's just cover this regulation. So the regulation is here. So this is the rewrite section uh, five three one has been rewritten and they've introduced different types of RCD. Uh, now these RCD types have always been there A B all of them. Um, they've never been written in the regs book. And towards the end, I'll talk about you know how we're supposed to have done this prior to the 18th edition, but now they are in the 18th edition. Now, they're not all there. They've given four. There are other types as well, but it gives us that um, that understanding there is a type to choose from, should we have not considered this before. Um, I kind of want to take a spin on this regulation. And whilst I understand why the regulation's been introduced to obviously help with this, I'm frustrated with this bit. The little bit here that says... Um, for general purposes, the type AC may still be used. I, I don't understand what 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 general purpose actually means. Um, does does general purpose mean uh, RCDs for the purpose of additional protection? Does general purpose mean RCDs for showers, for socket outlets, for uh, whatever? Um, it's just you know it's a very very uh, uncommitted word to use, and that's going to create a um, an opinion that this is the starting RCD, and only if it's a specialist scenario do we need to deviate from a general purpose. And I guess in the Ryan regulations, it does do that in section seven two two. It starts to talk about different types of RCs A and B for electric vehicle charging points and medical locations. It will say you must not use Type AC; it must be Type A or whatever. Um, and so the special installations and locations do help us with this, but we need to be more familiar with why AC Type RCs are not suitable. Okay, so is there a problem with AC Type RCs? Yes. A type AC RCD, which is your off-the-shelf RCD, probably still, it only operates on alternating residual current. This means, obviously, that um, if if the residual current in an earth fault is primarily from a inductive or a capacitive load or a resistive load, then it's going to be alternating current that is that is leaking. Fine. But if this equipment has any kind of DC component that could obviously provide some level of leakage to Earth, whether it be, uh, again, photovoltaics, or whether it be um, power supplies, computers, washing machines, whatever, we need to identify that that kind of leakage current being direct, being you know straight and not obviously of a rising and collapsing alternating current, 
can become a problem for AC Type R CDs. So much that they may fail to actually identify the leakage current, or they may actually um, really, really limit the sensitivity of the A -type, AC Type R CDs. So, um, what can cause an alternating residual current? Okay, so this is, we've had AC Type R CDs for years and years and years and years. Um, Tungsten, halogen lighting, ovens, showers, resistive inductive capacitive loads, all of this equipment that is linear, non-linear, that's absolutely fine. As long as the leakage current is alternating, then there's not potentially going to be much of a problem. The issue is today, though, with advancements in construction of electrical equipment, we are really, really experimenting and testing and trying out using electronics in a huge variety of our equipment construction. LED drivers and lighting, inverters, power supplies, solar electric vehicle, washing machines even may use DC motors. Um, you know, so you're gonna have rectification there. Uh, USB charging sockets, uh, there's a rectifier in there, that could fail. So we're using electronics in it to a heavy amount now. All of these things can offer failure, and if they offer failure from the DC side, it will be a direct current residual current. It'll be a DC residual current, which AC type RCDs are not manufactured to see. And that creates the problem. So, manufacturers have been providing guidance and information on this. They've been doing it for years, but it's a case of electricians need to understand the true nature of the potential leakage currents and where they can come from. Um, and that's obviously where the regs is going to offer some assistance now, but we should really have had more assistance before now. So some some examples manufacturers will provide would be this table here. So the typical type we're talking about now is the uh, AC type, and it is just alternating residual current. It's all it's manufactured to identify, and it has a different operating principle to achieve that. A type, which is what we are now considering should be the, the general type, really, also operates on alternating current, but identifies pulsating DC, so DC current up to six milliamp, which is a fairly good representation of a, a quantitative value of appliances in the home, for example. If we're gonna push higher than that with a higher potential amount of leakage, we'll go to the F. Varying frequencies, we may go to the B, but naturally the more we go up, they are going to introduce more technologies. They're going to be able to achieve more um, more more magic tricks so they're going to be a lot more expensive hundreds of pounds for some of these types but we are stressing that the ac type needs to be considered as to if it's any use anymore is it any use so you'll also see um just to kind of help if you do look at the instruct in, in information that the manufacturer will give you'll also see them give you an example of the hysteresis loop showing you how an a uh, a typical AC or type ARCD would identify alternating current loops, but when they have a DC, there is an issue. I just want to quickly run through what the hysteresis loop is, should you be unfamiliar with that. Okay, so it's all about obviously um, magnetism. Uh, if you remember doing this back at college, level three, science and principles, you probably covered the hysteresis loop back then, where we consider hysteresis losses. It's the same principle that we're looking at here, and that's why the manufacturers use hysteresis as an example as to how these RCDs and how these AC RCDs can be a problem if uh, we have any DC intervening. 
So with a hysteresis loop, let's start at the beginning. We've got here an axis, a horizontal axis and a vertical axis. And let's just take this away to the bare point there. So the magnetic field strength and the flux density on the vertical. So here we have a point of zero. So right now the magnetic item is demagnetized. There's been no current applied to it, positive or negative, and it has no stored flux density. Now let's apply some current from the point of zero up to a positive half cycle. So if you think about how the manufacturers present this, this is a this is the same point of zero to start with, but then there's this alternating residual current. This is the excitation by alternating residual current. So this is the residual current that's there. And as from a point of zero, it climbs to a positive peak of the half cycle. It goes from a zero point to a peak point or a point of saturation. Okay. This is the point and saturation point is where it's going to stop gaining a um, any more magnetic strength. Okay, it's um, it's saturated, which means it cannot become any more magnetized than it already is. In other words, we've we've applied the power to a point. That's the point of saturation. It's then obviously as the field which is still in the positive but collapses down to zero so it's going from its peak down to zero that's going to apply less here so what's going to happen from that point of saturation is the strength is going to fall as it returns to zero but it doesn't fall all the way down to zero because anything that has an initial point of zero when it actually achieves this level of magnetic uh, magnetic field strength it doesn't lose it fully when you collapse that current it holds a charge and that's illustrated here at a point we call a remnant a remnance okay so you'll see here that when we actually start to go from the positive peak down to the zero the field that's actually there the charge within that hasn't actually fallen to zero with it it's fallen some way down but it's maintaining that slight level of charge. I could go into um, I could go into the whole uh, you know the whole physics side of this, but um, it would be a little bit off topic. Okay, with the poles and things, but um, do let me know if you want me to cover that. It's, it's not really essential to understand this point. So we've got the starting from zero, we go to a positive peak and it falls back to zero and it's holding a level of charge so we now need to have some charge carrying into the negative peak to pull that charge down to zero but it's obviously going to be in the negative side and as that carries on to a negative peak we end up at another saturation point so we started at a zero point of charge to a positive peak on the positive cycle and we've then gone all the way to the opposite negative peak on the negative half cycle and there are two saturation points there are two points of peak current in this case we're talking about again residual current so here's an alternating residual current peak and an alternating residual current negative peak it's ac so it has positive and negative peak of residual current that creates this hysteresis curve here and then we get to this other saturation point, then it's going to start climbing back up 
to zero where it joins the basically it's going to repeat this now it doesn't go back to zero because when it goes from a negative charge peak as it goes back to a zero level of strength it's not going to offload all of the magnetic field it's going to stop here just like it did on the positive cycle it stopped halfway downish here on the negative cycle it's going to stop at halfway upish and then when you apply it to the positive peak it then creates the full loop which looks like this and this is called a complete cycle or the hysteresis loop now when you go back then to how the manufacturer illustrates that you can see that illustration there now it's a narrow hysteresis loop so this is obviously a a um a more um, a much thinner field uh, obviously larger solid magnets have thicker hysteresis um loops but obviously much thinner film again this is gonna be a toy coil we'll have a very thin hysteresis loop this is the hysteresis loop of a ac of, of a type a rcd i believe um because the acs have a slight kink at the top okay in fact i've got a slide with that just there there we go so here's an ac type hysteresis loop and here's the a type hysteresis loop and the the thing to note if you remember this remnants which is the point where it no longer actually you know it, it still holds a charge but it's it's idle it actually on the ac type is much larger so when you've actually powered that up from zero all the way up to its peak and then you start to collapse back down to the zero so it's gone from a uh, a zero current to a positive peak down so that's basically one cycle of the ac waveform it's holding a lot more charge than if it was an a type rcd okay the remnants falls a lot lower with the a type than the ac type okay principle of the two different rcds but they both operate in these cases though with alternating current so you have an alternating current there and this is illustrated here there's naturally going to be after one there there'll be a negative peak which is illustrated with the tail of the hysteresis loop there that half so the manufacturers have illustrated this principle here so this is one example i think this was um eaton's example so you've got the alternating residual current going down there's the alternating residual current and then this hysteresis loop is created and then this loop creates a field there and it's the voltage in this that will then be induced into the sensitive coil in the rcd which then be rated to its setting so we need to have this here is where we actually get a resulting magnetic flow that is actuated it says that they're actuated okay that will create the induced voltage into the actual sensitive coil now if we jump over to this other side then this other hysteresis loop which i'm slightly blocking you'll see that the whole thing has shifted along the h-axis by a representation of the dc residual current and that dc residual current shifts it along because that's a constant current that's not an alternating current so wherever it starts from it's going to be a new starting point and this is what we would call this is where we would say that this this um because it's a dc current you'll notice that this is all to the right of the axis 
Okay, so this whole thing is to the right of the axis here, not to the left and the right equally like this hysteresis loop. This is to the right more. This is where we say it has a bias. The presence of the DC residual current results in there being a bias to one side of the positives or negative AC waveform. And because it has that bias, we require when we have this DC current, a device that will actually monitor we're considering that bias, and that's what the pulsating DC is like, where it's monitoring one side of the waveform. So how's the hysteresis loop affected with this kick by the DC? Well, still starts at zero point, much like the other one. But as you'll notice, because of that, because of this, uh, let's say that this is up to six milliamp shift, because that's the maximum for an A type anyway. Because of that shift, then we apply the AC residual current onto that. We have this much longer stretch to that point. And that results in a much narrower magnetic uh, flow um, actuated by an alternating current here and direct current. So here, the actual ma resulting magnetic flow there, okay, it's much thinner because the DC has pushed it further away. The conclusion is it's much less likely for an alternating current residual current or an alternating residual current to be detected in that small window when a uh, when a direct current is also in place so it'll work on two principles it'll work on the alternating current principle similar to this method when there's no dc current leakage that's fine because it wouldn't have shifted over but once it has been shifted over it's going to obviously work through another means that will not stress or particularly work on alternating currents so this is an example of why we have an issue with acrcds ACRCDs purely work on this principle here. And if we introduce DC residual current into our equipment that actually is only protected by an AC type RCD, we're going to have this scenario where it's been shifted over with a much thinner window. This is why it might become blind in the words of the manufacturers, or it might become um, very, very uh, less sensitive or very unreliable because it's going to be obviously a, well, the likelihood of you know catching the voltage induced, of the voltage created here induced into that coil, it's very, very unlikely. Um, similarly, uh, another thing that is um, a, a problem with alternating uh, current RCDs, AC type RCDs, is if the equipment obviously offers a varying frequency. If we have increased frequencies, then this frequency of the residual current will be so rapid that it won't actually capture it will rise and collapse quicker than the actual voltage can be induced into the coil into the actual toroid coil and so by the time that the, the device actually starts to identify the voltage that's created by the residual alternating current its frequency is so fast that it's actually risen and then collapsed to the negative positive the negative peak so quickly that the thing hasn't been able to respond in the time frame so Quicker, higher frequencies, DC currents, both are problematic to AC type RCDs. Another manufacturer bit of information, this is the Siemens one, is here. So this illustrates these two, this one and this one are just illustrating the same 
here. They've taken the the actual um, outside the hysteresis loop out of these illustrations for completeness. Okay, but the actual um, main line there, this main line is still in there. And that's here. So here we've got the alternating residual currents, positive, negative. Okay, and then the tripping signal that's generated by the alternating current here. Okay, it's good. Good alternating current equals good alternating signal. Easy to achieve. But if we have a DC residual current, it shifts over here. Okay, so this one is the modulation with the AC residual, residual current. And this three is the superimposition of the DC residual current, I delta DC with the AC. So there's been that shift and then there's AC. And that's resulting in this thin window here. Tripping signal on superimposition of DC residual current with AC residual current, total residual current. So it's all the way over there, okay? And that is a tiny window that's not going to achieve sufficient voltage to actually be imposed onto the, uh, or, or for an EMF to occur to be imposed onto the Dory core. It's not good, not good. Okay, um, that's why these. That's why the manufacturers are showing that if you do some reading on these RCDs and you see these, that's why they're illustrating them. Okay, it's all back down to the understanding on magnetism and understanding about the bigamous windows of opportunity for the actual actuating current or the voltage to be opportunistic to then be induced into the toroid coil with an ACRCD being subjected to an alternating residual current, fine, fine. But if we subject the DC to it, it's such a smaller window that it's unlikely to be of substantial enough voltage to create the EMF to be induced into the toroid coil. So the the answer is do not rely on alternating current RC alternating current um, RCDs to protect against any current that is direct going to create this problem okay so the next question really is why is this now a thing why is this now something that's being discussed heavily online and and all that why um why wasn't this a thing before well it has been covered before but very badly this is a rewrite of a regulation in bs761 previous to this it wasn't mentioned there was no mention of that different types it was covered in a couple of different areas um from a do your own research perspective you know let's remember that the one regulations isn't what we need to work to it's what we need to work from um and that is very important where we would have approached it before and we have picked up on this before is using um external influences in chapter uh, in, in appendix five appendix five gives us still influence category one of them being um dc current and an ac network am7 and that gives us a regulation 321.10.1.7 great uh you go to that and then you realize there's nothing there and um, this is something that's been in there for for a number of years again we've i've said before i've said it online and i've said it in videos and i'll say everywhere the wine regulations are not perfect they're far from perfect uh, this is an example where there's just missing information or it doesn't work we now need to find the extra support 
Okay, and that's what they've done with this rewrite, I guess. But it's raised a lot of questions. Okay, um, so to conclude, what has the industry done? Now I'll just cut while I get a couple of things to play. When we think about, you know, what does what does it mean to say? What does it mean to say general use? You know, ACRCD is okay for general use. This is this is the operating manual for a washing machine, Siemens washing machine, and it's got in there one of the first things it says is this is intended use. This appliance is intended for private domestic use only. So this is something that any homeowner could go and buy and put in and their fixed electrical installation should in theory be ready for them to buy this equipment. But it says in here, remember it's a domestic only item. If using a residual circuit breaker, use only the ones that bear the following mark. And this is the mark for an A-type RCD. In other words, do not use an AC-type RCD with this washing machine. So again, I go back to the um, the, the title of this, this, this video. Um, why do we still have AC type RCDs if the construction of electrical equipment is going down the avenue of using electronics to this this point where AC RCDs could be unreliable and potentially dangerous? You know, we've got to try to improve our understanding on these different currents, these different residual currents, AC or DC, how they behave, what the differences are. And make sure that we select protected devices that are suitable for the life of the installation for the users of the installation. Now, ACR CDs may have a place. Where? I don't know. Um, a shower circuit, unless electronics are involved with that, maybe. Maybe. Um, lighting, you could have electronic lighting switches, dimmer racks, LEDs, drivers, probably not. Socket outlet circuits, you could have a washing machine like this one. You could have USB sockets installed again. So there are many more arguments against ACRCDs than in favor of now. Um, and it's something that you know we're all becoming more and more aware of. And it's a case of what we're gonna do with this information and move forward. Okay, so you all know this place. Um, some electricians use this because it's just easier, more practicable. So you go here, you go for an RCD, and what you end up with is AC, 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 AC. They're all AC type RCDs. Um, this obviously is a contributor towards the problem. We've just not had the ACRs, the um, the A type, the B type, more freely accessible in the industry. They're very expensive. We've not had suppliers support us with our requirements to obviously select these devices. Um, we are now seeing, we are now seeing, as um, seen in another video from GSH Electrical, where they went to a Lex exhibition. We're now seeing the likes of Hager have created an 18th edition consumer, and they're putting in. 100 amp RCDs, A type as standard, mainly from a common sense opinion. 100 amp being a rated current of an RCD to accommodate the current being pulled through. 
A type being a sensible decision with regards to this problem how we decide what is or is not a general purpose if we go with an a type as a starting point as i suggested towards the beginning of this video we have kind of unless there's going to be more than six milliamp of dc residual current um you know it's a lot better than an alternating current rcd and ac type it's just you know, it's a better better idea so yeah um hager have taken a step forward with that now this um it's going to play a couple of seconds now. Uh, Electrium, who own obviously a variety of the manufacturers, uh, YLX and Siemens, I think, and, and a few others, um, they did a podcast. And again, they'll admit that it's flippant, but this is their response to this kind of question here. And uh, the regs don't say you've got to use a Type A either. They say that you can use the appropriate type. You should always use the appropriate type. And you know. Rating of devices, choosing the appropriate rating. Is somebody trying to say that that's new? <laughs> really? Mm. What, have we been choosing the right MCBs and uh, and uh, other fuses and, and, and the like purely by luck? <laughs> I'm, I'm being flippant, I know, yeah, but, yeah. you know, choosing the right devices, that's not new to the 18th edition. I mean, you... Right. So... There's going to be no obviously recognition that manufacturers haven't offered support, haven't offered opportunity to be provided with more information. To be fair, the information has always been available. It's it's one of those things where many electricians just don't choose to dissect all of the manufacturer's technical jargon to fully understand the information there. Um, and manufacturers obviously haven't offered a and, and the industry bodies as well, um, all the industry bodies and the voluntary bodies haven't offered this um, this information more readily uh, until all of a sudden it's a regulation and everything has to take it on board. Um, it's frustrating. It is very frustrating. Um, we've got some. We've got some. Um, I'm, I'm going to show a clip in a second, and we've got some motions going on in the E5 group and a couple of guys there have you know they've worked hard on creating a good video um but this is something i mean the founder of e5 paul mean and this is something that he's had uh on his radar for years and years and years because he's in the rail industry and things like um you know things like electromagnetic fields being impacted due to you know, impacting rcd's effectiveness is something that's been on his radar and it's like he's been uh proactively working with for years so this kind of thing isn't news to him at all but the frustrations are there so he's working on a video now um with a couple of guys through e5 i'll show a clip of some of the content in a minute but i do recommend that you go to that where he'll actually talk more from a practical application about why these rcds aren't behaving as they should when they're ac type in an environment subjected to um, dc residual currents and you know more about the um the testing methods and the solutions that we can have all right i'll put a clip on as we leave this video and i'll catch you in the next one cheers 17 18 and with time and wear these will also change the characteristics of the device so that's fine so you've now you've now tested it you've certified it jobs are good and six months later husbands received a shock You've got to go back and you're thinking, 
well, what have I done wrong? First thing you'll do is you get your tester out and say, well, the RCD works, not a problem at all. So again, you'll do your RCD test. You obviously make sure power's on. You go half times and it won't trip. And you think, yeah, fine, there's, there's, nothing, there's no problem here. You'll go to one time. And what you'll also do then, you'll do one time and you'll make sure it trips because jobs are good and it should trip out within 300 milliseconds. Oh no, there you go, it's not tripped out. What's happened there? Well, what I've actually done is I've just injected 250 milliamps of DC current. Now I don't know that because I've just done my one times test. So I'm thinking, well, this is a mystery. How do I, how do I solve the mystery? I know what I'll do. There's a problem with the RCD. I'll push the trip button. That's what I'll do. So I'll push the trip button. No, no, it's not working, bugger. Um, so, okay, so the trip button does not work. It's saturated with DC. So I've got a problem. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do a ramp test to see if I can unseize it. Maybe there's something I'm not aware of. I'll do a ramp test, and I'll see what 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 test.